What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hey, friends. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash BP show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary. And every week we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. 11 boys now rescued from the cave in Thailand, leading, leaving one boy left and their coach. Yeah, he's coming out last, if they let him out at all. What do you say, everybody? Oh, boy. Here we go. Big day, Tuesday, Tuesday, July 10. The day after President Trump makes it official, Brett Kavanaugh is his choice, as we know now, to be the next uh, justice on the Supreme Court. Uh, we're going to do everything we can to make sure that does not happen. Uh, he was Trump's pick, it turns out, from the very beginning. Uh, there was never any doubt. He did a little choreography, pretended to be considering other people. Um, but uh, from what we're told, his mind was made up from the moment that he sat down with Justice Kennedy uh, and accepted Kennedy's resignation and then accepted Kennedy's um, suggestion that he go to yet one more of his former clerks, like Neil Gorsuch, uh, and put that former clerk, this one by the name of Brett Kavanaugh, uh, on the Supreme Court. It was, there were four very conservative appellate judges. There was really no difference among the four of them, uh, except that Brett Kavanaugh has a longer paper trail, which may make it more difficult uh, for him to get confirmed to the Supreme Court. At any rate, we will be watching all of that with all of you uh, and look forward to hearing from you and your comments on Twitter at BP Show. Uh, that's the uh, plan for the day. You know, as always, we'll be jo we join you on YouTube, on online, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Uh, we join you on the radio out in the greater Chicago area, WCPT in Indiana, Indiana Talks. And we join you on television on Free Speech TV with a great lineup of guests today, too. Elena Treen from Axios uh, will be joining us to talk more uh, about uh, this Supreme Court nominee, uh, also about some of the problems with uh, Congressman Jim Jordan 
Uh, and then Igor Babish will be here as a friend of Bill from Huffington Post, and he and I will be joined by Nikki Schwab from the now from the New York Post. Um, so we'll jump right into the news of the day. First, a couple of other little items um, that uh, maybe are not the top of the news of the day, uh, but they're they're worth talking about. Starbucks making there we go. The little breaking news. There. I love that. <laughs> Uh, well, th no, let's start here. This is related to the boys in the cave. You wonder, for 10 days, I mean... How did they not lose their minds? How did they not lose their minds? Out of exactly. hunger and fear. And that first picture that we saw of them when they fi found them in that little, whatever, uh, kind of, um, what, what would you call it, kind of passageway or something. Yeah. where And they were sitting there, you know, it looked like they were all... I don't know, all attentive and all very, very calm and everything. Well, it turns out they'd been meditating. Uh, their soccer coach uh, was also a trained Buddhist monk who had uh, spent 10 years in the monastery. He went there when he was the, at the age of 12 when he was orphaned uh, in the monastery and was taught Buddhist meditation by the monks there and... Um, and then when he, he left the monastery and became a soccer coach uh, and was their soccer coach. And so he taught these boys how to meditate. And they would meditate for like hours at a time. I know? love and this story. I feel like it's one positive <laughs> thing. I'm constantly searching for positive news in today's world. And I feel like this is a really shining spot uh, in the news. Well, I'll give you some positive news. 11 of them are out. That too. <laughs> Alive, right? Where we thought, that, oh man, this is going to be really tough and uh, they're bound to lose one or two trying to bring them out. But uh, up to 11 so far with one boy left. So that is that is great. But the fact that they, uh, with nothing to eat and nothing to drink, that they wrote to meditation could, could get them through. Uh, amazing. on TV and online. This is the Bill Press Show. Kavanaugh's the name. It is Brett Kavanaugh, the president's choice to fill the seat of Anthony Kennedy on the Supreme Court. Hello, everybody. What do you say? It's Tuesday, Tuesday, July 10. Good to see you today. And thank you for being on board here, the Bill Press Show. A big, big, big news day. Uh, the president, actually, and the first lady leaving the White House just about this time. Uh, on their way to Andrews Air Force Base, on their way to Belgium for the big NATO meeting. But all the attention was on the White House last night in this very carefully choreographed uh, announcement of the president's pick to fill this vacancy now on the Supreme Court left by the resignation, the retirement of Justice Anthony Kennedy. Great to see you today. Thank you for joining us. It is the Bill Press Show, live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., in our studio on Capitol Hill, just down the street from the United States Capitol building and about five metro stops away from the White House. We've got to cover whatever's happening here in Washington, around the country, and around the globe. Joining you today, as we always do, coast to coast on uh, online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Joining you 
on the radio, statewide in Indiana on Indiana Talks. And don't forget, Joe Donnelly put a call into his office today. Tell him, vote no on Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, joining also out in the greater Chicago area on WCPT, the great progressive voice of Chicago. And look at you on TV land in Free Speech TV today. Looking good. Thank you so much for joining us with so much to talk about and a great lineup of guests uh, to help us through it. The big story, of course, again, uh, starts with the president's announcement last night. Uh, here he, again, very carefully choreographed for the last week. Oh, I don't know who I'm going to pick. Oh, there's so many great choices. Oh, I've got this list of 25. Let's see, do we go with this guy or that guy or this woman here and the outsider? Uh, and it was all a show, we're told, that from the very beginning, the president uh, was most impressed. He met with, uh, w- with Brett Kavanaugh when he met with Justice Kennedy, and Kennedy gave him his letter of resignation. Uh, they talk, spent most of their time, we're told now, talking about who should take his place. And Justice Kennedy was pushing Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, Kavanaugh had not been on the original list, <coughs> pardon me, that candidate Donald Trump used uh, to pick Neil Gorsuch, but he had been added to the list, so he's definitely on the list of 25. Like Neil Gorsuch, he had been a clerk of uh, Justice Kennedy, and so the president came away from that meeting, again reported this morning in the New York Times, convinced that Kavanaugh was his man, but he went through the motions of meeting with some other people, including a telephone conversation with Senator Mike Lee uh, from Utah, uh, and those people, um, Judge Ketler, they were all conservative appellate judges. In fact, our friend Sam uh, Baker from, is he from HuffPost? No, he's from Axios now. Axios mm-hmm. now, that's right, Axios. Uh, the way he put it yesterday, well, here's the question. Will the president appoint the very conservative appellate judge? Or will he appoint the very conservative appellate judge? Or will he appoint the very conservative appellate judge? Or the very conservative appellate judge? I mean... Not a lot of diversity yeah, they there. All, they all fit the, the same category. Uh, uh, one of them, uh, Thomas Hardiman, the poor guy, uh, once again, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. He was the runner-up for uh, Neil Gorsuch, and he was the runner-up again for for Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, but at any rate, after that whole week of thing, remember, remember the weekend presidents, I haven't quite made up my mind, yeah, I've got, got to think about it more and more and more. It was all BS. He had made up his mind. Uh, he called. He came home from Bedminster, New Jersey, Sunday evening. <coughs> Pardon me. Called Brett Kavanaugh, gave him the news. The White House informed the others that they might as well just stay in Michigan or stay in Indiana, wherever they were. Uh, and uh, Brett Kavanaugh comes to the White House yesterday. And here is the president in the East Room of the White House yesterday uh, with his assembled uh, a lot of t- attorneys from town. Rudy Giuliani was there, Ed Meese from the Heritage Foundation, attorney general under Ronald Reagan, who's been sort of the granddaddy of this move, very successful move on the part of conservatives, to relentlessly work and work until they could get a far-right majority on the Supreme Court. They're one vote away from that. Uh, at any rate, in front of the assembled crowd, Donald Trump makes the announcement. It is my honor and privilege to announce that I will nominate Judge Brett Kavanaugh 
to the United States Supreme Court. And the president tells us this is a guy who has been on the bench and has a record, a distinguished record. For the last 12 years, he has served as a judge on the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals with great distinction, authoring over 300 opinions which have been widely admired for their skill, insight, and rigorous adherence to the law. Of all the courts of appeal in the nation, the D.C. Court of Appeal is considered the most prestigious because it is here in the nation's capital, and it gets most of the really um, important and um, historic kind of decisions, weighty decisions, go to the D.C. District Court. So it, 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 it's equal to all the other appeals courts in the nation, but it does carry greater weight because of where it's located and the kind of cases uh, that it gets. Um, that is very significant, by the way. Over, he's written over 300 opinions. Lately, they've been looking for a judge that doesn't have a long paper trail because that means the judge has less to defend. But with 300 opinions, that means, and we'll get to that in just a little bit, but there are, there's plenty of fodder, plenty of ammunition, for both for supporters and opponents of Brett Kavanaugh to go into uh, and he's on the record, in other words, in many, many, many different kinds of cases, um, and not all of them very um, um, hopeful for people who uh, would like to see the court not take a far-right turn. Many of them indicate that he would take the court exactly where the extreme conservatives want to take the court. Uh, the president continuing uh, praising um, Brett Kavanaugh as the ideal judge. Judge Kavanaugh currently teaches at Harvard, Yale, and Georgetown. Throughout legal circles, he is considered a judge's judge. A judge's judge, just like one other guy that I appointed, says the president, just like old Neil Gorsuch. He's a brilliant jurist with a clear and effective writing style universally regarded as one of the finest and sharpest legal minds of our time. And just like Justice Gorsuch, he excelled as a clerk for Justice Kennedy. All right, there you go. He and Gorsuch were there at the same time. They overlapped a little bit when they were both there for Justice Kennedy. But both of them have already shown, particularly Neil Gorsuch, uh, that he, they're far to the right of Justice Kennedy. They're not the moderate sort of swing person that Kennedy on occasion could prove to be. So uh, trouble trouble ahead. And that trouble ahead, we got a warning from the Senate Democratic leader, Chuck Schumer, yesterday. This is before the announcement, but on the floor, making it clear that no matter whom Donald Trump would announce, they have, as Trump has indicated, the one stated goal uh, with this nomination. He has promised in his own words to nominate only pro-life judges whose selection will result in the automatic overturning of Roe v. Wade. Those are his words. Uh, again, Chuck Schumer continuing um, that there's a lot at stake here uh, uh, for when it comes to women's health. Everyone ought to understand what it means for the freedom of women to make their own health care decisions and for the protection for Americans 
with pre-existing conditions. Those rights will be gravely threatened. So it's Roe v. Wade. It's the entire panoply of decisions uh, facing a, w a woman and, and her ability to make those own decisions regarding her own health and her own body. And it is the Affordable Care Act, uh, one of the big issues on the line in terms of um, people with pre-existing pre conditions or even um, the, the right of the government to be involved at all in making sure that all Americans have affordable quality health care. Uh, the decision was no sooner announced last night than, uh, as expected, there was reaction uh, from both sides, some conservatives <coughs> gleeful uh, to get such an extreme conservative nominated to the court, um, even though he was maybe not the first pick of some of the more conservative people, like former Senator uh, Rick Santorum, who doesn't think he's uh, conservative enough. Can't, you'll never be conservative enough to please Rick Santorum unless you appoint Rick Santorum to the bench, <laughs> which is probably what he wanted. I mean, even Mitch McConnell had his reservations about Kavanaugh because he felt that he would he might not sail through the nomination process as easily as someone else could. Right. Because of those 300, uh, 300 opinions and his ties to Bush uh, and ties to Bush. Right. Um, but in terms of reaction, um, the uh, Elise, Elise Hogue, who is the president of NARAL, uh, immediately stepped up and said, no surprise, this is what we expected. And this guy is not good for us. We think his views are clear. We think he should be disqualified. And we think that um, nothing less than our futures and our, uh, our health and our freedom is at stake. Uh, and she points out one little indication of where he might vote on Roe v. Wade was a case uh, which got a lot of attention, recent attention, where he was the one dissenting vote on a teenager, uh, one of the children, um, uh, young people, at least, uh, who was uh, detained at the border, it turns out to be pregnant, whether she was impregnated by um, someone along the way to the United States, probably, or the, or the, the, the uh, what do they call those, not scouts that brought them here, They're, there's a word for the Yeah, uh, I'm yeah, not sure. At any rate, <laughs> uh, but, and she had, she wanted, did not want to have this child, wanted to have an abortion, uh, and um, the justice, uh, Judge Kavanaugh uh, said, no, no right to do that. Uh, here is again Elise Hogue from uh, NARAL. Brett Kavanaugh is known to us, if he's not a household name, as a vocal dissenter in a case last year where he split from his circuit court arguing that a young undocumented woman should be kept in jail rather than be granted the right to terminate a pregnancy. Uh, and as we learned yesterday, there was a big rally at the, in front of the Supreme Court last night by opponents of whomever Donald Trump would choose uh, for the Supreme Court. Um, People for the American Way organized uh, that uh, rally in front of the Supreme Court. And the speakers included first uh, Kirsten, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand from New York State, telling us Donald Trump did exactly what he said he was going to do. No surprise, uh, Senator Gillibrand. President Trump did exactly what he said he was going to do. He has appointed someone who will not protect a woman's right to make decisions about her life, her health care, her reproductive freedom. Joining her at the podium, Senator Jeff Merkley from Oregon saying, and this is another issue that's going to be a big issue 
because um, Brett Kavanaugh is known for his views about presidential authority, and he thinks uh, any pre the president should be totally exempt from any pesky lawsuits or, uh, you know, investigations or any of that stuff. No, that's just a big distraction, Jeff Merkley says. That's tyranny. This is a nominee who wants to pave the path to tyranny, who says that the president... The president can do anything, basically. That a sitting president shouldn't be investigated. Yes, indeed. And finally, it was Bernie Sanders, maybe the most uh, energetic of the group, who says, look, uh, now we know who, who's up, and now we know what we got to do, and it's not going to be easy, but we can and we must stop him. This is a tough fight, but it is a fight that we can win. Yeah, so just a couple of reflections there. It is, it is a little unusual in that um, Donald Trump in this time did go with, I mean, th the only difference among the four candidates finalists uh, for this so-called, uh, because we know Kavanaugh, as I said, had the edge from the beginning, is that Brett Kavanaugh was the establishment choice among conservatives. He's from Washington, D.C., clerked for the Supreme Court, worked for Ken Starr, uh, when he was uh, the, the special investigator, special counsel, worked in the Bush White House. I think he worked for both Bushes, actually, in the White House. Uh, so he is part of the Washington, D.C. political establishment. And a lot of people were saying, no, we got to get away from that. We need somebody from outside of Washington. Uh, and by the way, that's how Donald Trump campaigned, right? Uh, I want to break with the Drain the swamp, baby. Drain the swamp. And I want to break with the establishment Republican Party. In this case, he didn't. He stuck, stuck right to the establishment Republican Party, which is a little unusual. And the other thing that we mentioned is this is a judge with 300 opinions on the record in this appellate court in Washington, D.C., which, which leaves a long paper trail for people to, uh, to pour over, as you know, um, people have already started doing uh, in anticipation that he might be the nominee. And among those so far, we know, are some some troubling indications of how he could vote. He is known, as we just mentioned, for being very assertive about executive power, uh, that a president should not be, uh, uh, should not come under, but, but not be the subject of any investigation or any lawsuit while he's president of the United States, because that's a, a distraction from all the duties that he's got to do. Right, like it's a hindrance to the president yeah. achieving what he is there to do. Now, he made those rulings, of course, and, and, and worked, on that worked on that theory uh, when he was working um, with Ken Starr and working for the impeachment of Bill Clinton. But certainly, um, you know that Donald Trump loves the sound of that, and you can see that he could make a case for Donald Trump that Robert Mueller's investigation is out of line or that, that Trump cannot be indicted, that Trump could pardon himself, that Trump would not have to meet with Robert Mueller. All of those issues are uh, very troubling about how Brett Kavanaugh could rule on. We've saw, we just talked about this case with this teenager, which indicates that he is not a definite vote to, uh, to uh, uphold the precedent of uh, Roe v. Wade on the court and uh, could very well be the la fifth vote that's needed to uh, overturn it. 
Um, he is uh, some of his previous decisions too. He seems to be very supportive of the arguments that people can, um, in a sense, get a, get a, a free pass from following uh, other uh, from a free pass in limiting other people's rights when they claim under the guise of religious opinion, a kind of awkward way of saying it, I guess. But in other words, the bakery case, for example. Yeah, if my religion tells me the same-sex marriage is not holy, not acceptable in the Bible in the eyes of God, then as a businessman, as a restaurant, as a baker, I don't have to bake a wedding cake. For a same-sex couple. Or even Kim Davis were reminded of the woman who refused to honor the law. Yeah, right. Yep. So bogus argument, but um, which the court has even said, but uh, Brett Kavanaugh on the other side of, of that issue. He's also issued several opinions saying he thought the Environmental Protection Agency had exceeded uh, its mandate in the environmental regulations adopted under uh, President Obama. And he is a 100% the Second Amendment gun nut uh, saying that even here in the District of Columbia, he dissented saying the semi-automatic rifles should be allowed here in the District of Columbia. No limits, basically, on gun control. So there are some issues that we'll be, uh, we'll be taking a look at um, uh, as, as and, and every day I think we'll see more issues uh, that come up uh, that will be raised in, in his uh, confirmation hearings. So we know who it is. We'll be talking with our guests this morning more about that and getting your comments on Brett Kavanaugh. But again, I guess just wrapping up one more time, we mentioned it again yesterday. This is stopping this nominee. He would be he would take the court as far right as it has been in decades. And maybe, maybe even think about it. He's what 53 years old. Um, he has a lot of life to live. If he were confirmed at the Supreme Court, this could be the most extreme conservative court that we have seen in the history of the country, and that could last with those five nominees until late in the 21st century. Uh, so there's so much at stake. It's a fight that Democrats must engage in, and they must win. And again, they can win. If the Democrats hang tough, all they need is one Republican vote to to block um, this nomination of uh, Donald Trump, and uh, I I think the the 2016 Mitch McConnell rule should apply. It's too important for the Congress to, a decision for Congress to make itself. They should have no votes, no hearings on any nominee of the Supreme Court. Not even not Brett Kavanaugh. Now that we know who it is until after the people vote in November. Absolutely. And we know what direction the country wants to, wants to go in. Uh, again, we're talking more about that all through, the, uh, all through the morning with our guests and with all of you. Your comments on Brett Kavanaugh now and the, uh, engaging in this fight. Welcome at BP Show on Twitter, uh, at BP Show. There are a couple of other stories in the news in addition to, again, a number 11, 11th boy rescued from the cave out in uh, Thailand. Um, Donald Trump <clears throat> in a little bit of trouble this morning on a couple of fronts. <clears throat> uh, we know that as a businessman, Donald Trump had a reputation of uh, not paying his uh, subcontractors. Uh, in fact, as several have uh, po pointed out, the 
I'm just checking CNN. Yep, just one boy and the coach remain in the cave, and I'm sure they're working on getting those two out right now. Uh, back to the story here. Uh, <clears throat> there were reports that the word got around in the uh, among contractors in New York that if you went to uh, got a job with the Trump organization, what you would do is you would bill them a lot up front and get their money a lot of money up front in the first few months of the job because he was notorious for not paying his the final bills. Hmm, sounds just, familiar. Just letting people ride. Yeah, well, here's another case of it. Donald Trump's former personal driver has sued the Getty or the Trump organization for more than what he says is more than 3,000 hours of unpaid overtime, alleging Donald Trump never paid him for extra hours of work and only raised his salary two times in 15 years. The driver's name is Noel Cintron. He was uh, a red, he's a registered Republican, worked as Trump's personal driver for more than 25 years, said he put in about 55 hours a week, uh, and he <laughs> is owed uh, 3,300 hours of unpaid overtime work, which is something around $165,000, I think I read this morning. That's the number that I'm recalling, too, and I just did some quick math. For 3,000 unpaid hours, if you assume an eight-hour workday, that's 375 workdays. Oh, that's more than one whole year if you were to work every single day for eight hours a day. Yeah. Yeah, he's calculated Donald Trump owes him slightly more than $160,000. Hey, Donald Trump, pay your bills. Yeah, especially pay the bills of the people that uh, work so closely with you. Uh, and, uh, so, and another uh, related story, BuzzFeed is reporting this morning um, th that, uh, remember way back when uh, <clears throat> Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton were entertaining friends in the uh, Lincoln bedroom, uh, major Democratic donors, uh, not a good thing to do, and they got blasted for it at the time of the selling of the White House. Well, according to BuzzFeed, uh, the Trump White House is at it right now, selling not necessarily the Lincoln bedroom, but would you believe Air Force One? Yes, indeed. Uh, word has gone out. Invitations have gone out. Th th this is even worse. I, I know. Invitations have gone out to members of the Trump, Trump Club. Club at Mar-a-Lago or Bedminster, New Jersey, I guess it was just down at the, in Palm Beach, right, at West Palm Beach, um, that you can get a, if you're a member of the club, you could sign up and get a tour of Air Force One. Remember, it costs $200,000 to join Mar-a-Lago. Uh, and uh, they have uh, t two different tours. They have, they, they have the copy of the invitation, invitation to tour Air Force One, uh, and t two of them have been scheduled. Uh, so far when the plane was down there. Pay for play was a rallying cry of the GOP against Clinton and yeah. against anyone of her kind. And now you see it. It's just absolutely rampant in the Trump White House. I mean, from Air Force One to like Betsy DeVos. Gee, I wonder how she got her position. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So um, uh, you'll be hearing you'll be hearing more about that. And uh, finally, one more uh, young wrestler has come forward to say that uh, Congressman Jim Jordan, when he was the 
assistant wrestling coach out of uh, Ohio State that he did indeed know that this doctor, Dr. Richard Strauss, was uh, uh, taking advantage of sexually abusing members of the wrestling team, that he had told Jim Jordan this, talked to Jim Jordan about this when he was his coach, and Jordan just said, shrugged his head, shoulders and uh, shrugged his head and said, I don't know anything. That has nothing to do with me. I know nothing about that and, and walked away. Every day, it seems, as another former wrestler. And by the way, these are people who are not running against Jim Jordan. They don't have anything. Some of them, are, they've said they've supported him as, as a politician. They're just saying, let the truth be out that these, the other, their fellow wrestlers and members of the team are telling the truth when they say that Jordan knew all about it and did nothing about it. Uh, uh, so um, every day it's a little little dicier for uh, Congressman Jim Jordan. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back from Axios, uh, Elena Treen uh, joins us to continue our conversation with news of the day, particularly uh, the big battle now over the Supreme Court nominee, Brett Kavanaugh, uh, n- named by President Trump last evening. It is Tuesday, July 10, the Bill Press Show. Quick break. We'll be right back. Download our podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. How about it on a Tuesday, July 10, uh, The Bill Press Show, live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. And uh, reaching you coast to coast online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. On the radio, WCPT, out in Chicago, and on television on Free Speech TV nationwide, where we're brought to you today by the American Federation of Teachers and their dynamic international president, Randy Weingarten. Teachers of America making a difference in our classrooms every single day. And the AFT quickly out with a statement last night opposing the nomination of Brett Kavanaugh to the United States Supreme Court. Good to see you today. Thank you for joining us. Uh, We are joined in studio now by uh, Elena Treen, who is from Axios, the great Axios associate news editor and reporter. Elena, good to see you. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming in. Uh, We've been at it for a little bit. Peter Ogburn off uh, on vacation this week, so Ray Rogers um, did a great job. Trying to fill very big shoes. Big shoes. Uh, And we've been stirring up a little bit of dust up this morning already, Elena? Yes. Ray, I'm sorry. Yep, yeah. it's me behind here. Yes, we have. So we, you can find us on at BP Show, where we run lots of polls, and we also read your comments. So yesterday, we did a fun story about Donald Trump meeting the Queen later this week. Um, so we threw up a poll saying, will real Donald Trump be able to behave himself when he meets the Queen? Yes or no? Um, <laughs> hundreds of you weighed in with a whopping 94% of you saying... <laughs> No. no. Oh, yeah. Um, so there were a, a shocking, a shocking right. 6% of you said yes. Lots of people um, put their thoughts down. Some Laurel Frost said Trump and the Queen equals a possible Monty Python-like sketch. Oh, and yeah. Newsroom123 says yes, as long as he doesn't say anything, do anything, or let any of his thoughts enter his mind. Or grab her. Or grab her mm-hmm. or touch her. And then this morning, we just put up a poll. Will Democrats vote on block to oppose the Kavanaugh-Scotus nomination? Yes or no? Right now, we are at a deadlock. 50% yes, 50% no. So if you want to have your voice heard, go to twitter.com slash bpshow and weigh in. 
Democrats should vote as a block. Will they vote as a block? That is uh, an open question. Okay. Thank you, Ray. Um, how's this battle? This battle's already, it, it, it's been building for the last week, right? No matter whom he nominated. No, exactly. No matter who he nominated, they were all going to be conservative appellate court judges. Uh, so it really, I mean, I think a lot of people, especially the key senators that we're looking at, knew that no, whoever he nominated, it was going to be a contentious battle to with the Democrats to see if he'll get confirmed or not. But I think that the key people that uh, everyone should be paying attention to on whether he'll actually get pushed through before November are the vulnerable red state Democrats. So people like Joe Donnelly, Joe Manchin, um, Heidi Heitkamp, those three voted for Neil Gorsuch in 2017 and confirmed him. Um, so people are really hoping that he'll do so again this time around. And then there's also some moderate Republicans like Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins who may go the other way as well. So those are the key people that I think the president will be putting a lot of pressure on. He invited them in actually and spoke with some of these senators uh, mm -hmm. before making his decision to gauge whether they'd have the support for someone like Brett Kavanaugh. But he's very conservative. It wasn't really a big surprise. I think the president's base will be very happy with this decision. He didn't, you know, do the unpredictable and choose someone that no one really know how he would vote uh, once on the court. So I think that a lot of people on the Republican side are very happy with this. Uh, the, you're right. All four of them were very conservative mm -hmm. appellate court ju judges. Uh, but there were some differences. Um, you know, the, uh, but they're already out of mind, right? But uh, Ketledge was one mm -hmm. of the one. And Mary Amy Ketledge. Yeah. And Amy Coney Barrett. Amy Coney Barrett, right. Particularly the, the, the social conservatives seem to favor her for a couple of reasons. One, she was not from Washington. She was more clearly anti-Roe v. Wade. Mm -hmm. Ketledge was from Michigan, not from Washington. Right. Uh, but And in this case with Kavanaugh, Donald Trump went with an establishment, elitist, if you will, Washington mm -hmm. political insider, Un unlike him. Right. Yeah. Well, those were some of the things he, he that a lot of He just felt that he might be more um, confirmable. Mm -hmm. Do you think that was part of the decision? I think so. I think with someone like Kavanaugh, a lot of people within the White House, like White House counsel Don McGahn, were pushing very hard for Kavanaugh. They knew that he has a great record that he's been in Washington for a long time. But like you said, he is more establishment. And something that's really interesting as well is he worked in the Bush administration, uh, George yeah, W. Bush's yeah. administration. Which, again, some of the more conservative people said, no, we don't want exactly. anything to do with they him think because that he was— that was not a plus for them. No, exactly. And it's also, I mean, the president, you know, something, yeah. knowing that he's in, he was in the Bush administration, Trump hates all, mm -hmm. thing, but all things Bush. So that was, I think, one thing that actually really played against Kavanaugh. Mm -hmm. But um, he was, he's really well known in the conservative movement and within the legal aspect. A lot of legal experts were really pushing for him as well, where someone like Raymond Kethledge was a little less well-known, um, and same with Amy Coney Barrett. But yes, they were more maybe on the side of the political spectrum. We actually did a survey at Axios that showed um, Brett Kavanaugh, when he weighed against other different Supreme Court justices on the court, he actually ranks number two on the conservative spectrum behind uh, Justice Clarence Thomas, which is interesting that he's not you know, the most conservative, whereas I think someone like Amy Coney Barrett might have been more so conservative than someone like Justice Clarence Thomas. Well, that's pretty conservative. It, I, it's very conservative. I'm just 
But he would be second only to Clarence Thomas. Yes. And Neil Neil Gorsuch even. No, not he. He's more conservative than Neil Gorsuch. That's what our at least yeah. uh, the data that our data team put together that uh, that's where Brett Kavanaugh would fall. Uh, and once again, Tom Hardiman, uh, mm-hmm. his name was brought up, who was the apparently the runner-up to Neil Gorsuch the last time around. Right. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. <laughs> Well, the other thing about Kavanaugh, so he is um, this this Washington insider, and on the D.C. appellate court, which is the most important of all the appellate courts, 300, as the president said last night, 300-some opinions. Mm-hmm. That's a long paper trail, right? I mean, um, there's going to be lots of ammunition there for both sides. Definitely. And I think that you're already starting to see a lot of people thought it might be Kavanaugh. And I think some of the sources and Democrats that I've talked to um, leading up to this decision already have been making their case against Brett Kavanaugh. And even some people on the right. I mean, we saw Senator Ted Cruz going into this, really pushing the president to nominate someone like Senator Mike Lee, who was never really he was on the list, but never really actually in the running, um, mainly because I think the president remembered that Mike Lee didn't vote for him for president. Mm-hmm. Um, but the people are saying that he someone like Mike Lee would be way more predictable with how he'd vote. Um, so I think actually some of the Democrats may try to they were trying to use some of his past voting on health care and abortion to actually Republicans. Um, and some conservatives were pushing the president to nominate him. But now I think they're going to be switching their messaging and showing, really playing into the base of, you know, look at what they'll do for health care. They're going to change, you know, so many decisions across the board that will affect what we see now, whether it comes to LGBTQ, to health care, to abortion. Right. So if you look at the math, as we've been doing the last couple of days, uh, it's 51-49, Republican or Democrat, the two independents mm-hmm. counting as Democrats, uh, Angus King and Bernie Sanders. Um, but if you take John McCain away from the equation, it's 50-49, mm-hmm. because McCain's unlikely to come back and vote on this um, for, for health reasons, sadly. Um, they only need one Republican to block this, Democrats do, provided... This comes back to where you started. Right. All Republicans hang tough. Mm-hmm. And if only 50% of our listeners and viewers right now think all Democrats are going to hang tough, that's because we have seen all, all Democrats did not hang tough when it came to Neil Gorsuch. Exactly. It's really riding on those few key people that I mentioned. Um, and I think that a lot of, of the senators will be looking, especially the vulnerable red state Democrats. I mean, it is an election year. This is the where the fight began, where people like Senator Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi were pushing with the idea that, you know, back in 2016, McConnell was able to hold up Barack Obama's nomination for Merrick Garland, saying that it's an election year, let the voters decide yeah. what yeah. president. It was a lousy rule, <laughs> uh, but if it applied in 2016, why not apply it in 2018? I mean, that's exactly what uh, a lot of the Democrats <laughs> right. were trying to push for, I which know. didn't happen. Yeah. Um, but so now, especially because it's an election year, it puts a lot of pressure on those vulnerable red state Democrats. And I think they'll be looking to people like moderate Republicans, like Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins. So when does all this get underway? Do we know uh, Mitch McConnell has said he wants to move pretty fast? Mm-hmm. What What is the expectation that, uh, I mean, we're just... You know, it hasn't been 24 hours yet. Right. Uh, July, August, September, for when are the hearings? August or 
house is not going to be here because it doesn't have to be. Right. The recess aspect of, I mean, it's yeah. summer. It's yeah. so hard to do anything in the summer given they're all out camp, especially now that they're all out campaigning as well um, and back in their districts and um, back so we're at home. we probably talking September, October. I'm thinking September, October will be more likely. I think there'll be a lot of lead up to it. We'll see. We're, I think that you know, right now, the it, the confirmation battle is going to be taking over the narrative. You know, any other year it would be midterm elections and what's going on there. I think the confirmation battle will really take over the rest of this month and August, and then hopefully end of August, beginning of September is when I think they'll be trying to start the hearing process and get them confirmed. Right. Uh, so the, the there's there is believe it or not other news. Right. <laughs> um, the on the Robert Mueller front. Uh, the Mueller investigation just continues. Uh, uh, very few leaks, if any, mm-hmm. out of the Mueller team. They're still at it. Um, and Rudy Giuliani is doing everything he can still to try to undermine it. Right. Uh, but the latest news is uh, kind of a surprise. Michael Cohen, everybody thought, no, there's no way Michael Cohen would flip. He and Donald Trump have been so close for so long. Um but he said last week, if it comes down to his family or Donald Trump, his family comes first. Right. Um, does that and should that worry the Trump White House? Oh, definitely worries the Trump White House. Um, sources, I mean, there's no guarantee of what will happen, of course. But even before Michael Cohen had said that, people within the White House have told us that they're very nervous about what Cohen represents. He was that one person, you know, apart from the president's family, even part of the with the president's family in conclusion, who is the closest to the president, who knows thing that no one else knows, who has been there with Trump through really everything. He saw all of the backdoor business dealings and things that went on in the lead up um, during the 2016 campaign and right before he uh, became came president and you know during the administration. Yeah, so he's, he, was he was there, was there through he, it all. Um, and there's a lot that Michael Cohen knows that no one really else surrounding the president would know. So that's something that really worries the White House. And if it really does come down to it and Michael Cohen does decide, you know, where his loyalties lie or not going to prison, um, <laughs> right. that might that that is something that I think the White House is very cognizant of and very concerned about. Uh, and uh, Michael Cohen has hired himself a new lawyer. Yep. Uh, who's who knows a little bit about helping people who are in trouble? He has. He was with uh, Bill Clinton. Uh, Lanny Davis, our yep. friend Lanny Davis. Right. He, Lanny Davis helped uh, Bill Clinton through that tough period with Monica Lewinsky and some other um, troubled times during his administration. And now we're seeing him again helping Michael Cohen, which. Um, Definitely, I think, also was a scare to the Trump administration. We've already seen him, Lanny Davis, take some shots at Rudy Giuliani and the president. Um, Rudy Giuliani this weekend came out and said Michael Cohen should tell the truth. He should, you know, he should sit down and just say whatever the truth is, um, implying that there's really nothing to hide. Whereas Lanny Davis fought back on Twitter, uh, taking a strategy out of the president's book and said, what is Rudy Giuliani talking about? If the truth were really to come out, it would not be good for them. So um, we're seeing a little back and forth battle between the lawyers here. Um, And it's definitely going to get more interesting before it dissipates. Right. Um, And so Cohen is, he's still under investigation in New York, right? No charges have been filed or anything. This is all in anticipation of if charges are filed and if he's facing potential prison time. Exactly. It's it's really confused. The the Cohen 
story and scenario is very confusing because we saw it break out with the raids and no one really knew what was going on, what was he being, uh, what, what were these raids, the motivation behind them, who ordered them, Mueller had a tie with the raids being ordered. Um, but basically it's for some of his business dealings as well as whether he had any kind of essentially shady role during the presidential campaign and not really collusion on his end, but some of the things that he might have been witness to or have done um, during the campaign in addition to the business stuff. And that's where we saw Paul Manafort, uh, the president's mm -hmm. former campaign ma manager, really um, come under fire was for not really for what he did in his political aspect, but for his business dealings, his financial ties, money laundering, things like that, um, which I think the Mueller team will then be able to, you know, you get him in that position and then you get them to work with you more on the political. Do we have any indication stuff. of when Mueller's going to issue his report? I mean, you know, Rudy again was putting out this, right. this word that he's got to wrap it up by the midterm elections mm -hmm. because it wouldn't be fair to have this, uh, uh, this investigation underway while people are voting in the midterms, which is, that's it, he's playing politics with right. that. But is there any indication that Mueller might be wrapping up that soon? Uh, it's, I think he's getting close. Um, it is, I mean, remember that the president and his administration had promised that it would, this investigation would be over by the end of 2017. It's clearly well on its way well, into had, 2018. Yeah, they had predicted it. I mean, I was at the White House many times when Sarah Huckabee Sanders right. said that, but it was based on their wishful thinking. Exactly. That's what they were hoping for, and they were right. trying to pressure uh, Robert Mueller into doing that. But he's going to take his time, and he's done that already. I think he's someone who's very methodical. People, especially, I mean, people on the right as well know him as being a very efficient. He digs deep. He does his work. And I think that if you look at what he's done compared to several other similar investigations, he's actually moving very quickly to see the amount of people that he's already mm. um, mm -hmm. called in, brought charges against. He's moving at it. A much faster much faster speed than, than Ken started for example exactly and especially faster than the administration's making it appear um, but I do think that there is a chance it could wrap up um, just from what you know we don't really have a lot of sources close to Mueller like you said he doesn't leak he's really good about keeping right. things behind closed doors but from what we are hearing is that it could potentially wrap up in a couple months but there's no guarantee you know it could you know one door opens another door, another can of worms, and that might bring him further down the road. So it's it's never clear with that. Uh, Elena Treen with us from Axios. You ought to follow Axios. We do, and uh, we love getting the people from Axios in studio. It's Axios, A-X-I-O-S, of course, Axios.com. Is Congressman Jim Jordan in trouble? Or, well, let's put it this way. How much trouble is he in? We know he's in trouble. Yes, he's definitely in trouble. Um, at, and just to be clear with um, Congressman Jim Jordan, so he was accused of ignoring sexual abuse allegations or activity of that when he was at Ohio State as assistant wrestling accused coach. Accused by former members of his wrestling team right. of not doing anything about the fact that there was a doctor there who was groping these boys and sexually abusing them mm -hmm. uh, under the rubric of giving them a medical exam, right? right. They say, the, the kids say, former wrestling students, uh, members of the team, that everybody knew what was going on. Uh, this guy was a real, you know, pervert. Mm -hmm. and, um, and everybody knew, including their head coach and Jim Jordan, and none of them did anything about it. Exactly. And uh, and Jordan denies it. He says does. He never heard word of it at all. Hard to believe. Exactly. Well, that's exactly what uh, 
the former wrestlers are saying. There's, there's no way he's completely lying, is what they say, if he's saying that he doesn't know anything about it. Um, and now he's starting to kind of walk some of that back. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's already been, so the um, ethics watchdog for the House has already issued an investigation. They're going to be launching an investigation to dig deeper into Jordan's role in ignoring this. Um, and he could be in a lot of trouble. We've already seen several congressmen and different lawmakers be brought down by allegations, whether substantiated or not. But some of those allegations were like their own Exactly. Deeds, right? This is just him ignoring it's not him actually right. doing nobody's accused any of misconduct that. himself Just, right but um even so the allegations i think are very serious and could it is a different situation no that's very an important distinction to make but um it is to see the lawyers and the cases that are being built against jordan it looks like this isn't going to be something that i think he had hoped originally that he could put to rest soon. I think it's become really big. It's obviously grabbed media headlines and a lot of attention. Uh, and I don't think, you know, the Supreme Court news is really going to be able to hide what's going on uh, with him and these wrestlers. Uh, and certainly at the very least, uh, his chances of becoming the next Speaker of the House of Representatives, I think, have disappeared along with this little scandal. Right. Well, I'm not what sure you... they've, I think that a lot of people on the from the conservative movement are still kind of pushing for it. But yeah, I don't think that he'll be able to win the, uh, a speaker race uh, uh, with this holding him down. Uh, so as we speak, uh, the president and the first lady have left the White House, headed for Andrews Air Force Base. For all I know, um, check my phone, they could already be have taken off. Uh, on his way to, this is a busy week, I don't, I don't see any notice from the pool that, he's right. that the plane's taken off yet. Uh, very shortly, if not already, uh, on his way for a very busy week to first to Brussels for the NATO meeting, right. um, then on to London, uh, meeting with uh, the Queen and the Prime Minister, uh, Theresa May, then on to Scotland for a couple of rounds of golf, and then on to Helsinki for Vladimir Putin. Um, this could be a week of total disasters, right? Completely. I mean, th there's, there's so many opportunities here for everything to go wrong. Right. Well, so many people, even his aides, I mean, and people from uh, our NATO allies and our European allies, um, a lot of people telling Axios that they have no idea what will happen. And really, because the president is really the only one who I think, you know, he likes to play things spontaneously. You never really know what he's going to say. But I think the big worry is what we've seen happen already when he went to the G7 summit is that he's going to criticize our allies while maybe taking what seems as a softer approach to some different countries like Vladimir Putin and Russia. Um, and so those are the well, big I think concerns. There's a, yeah, <laughs> this is a pattern that we saw with the G7. So he goes to the G7, blows it up, pisses off all of our allies, and then goes off with his buddy-buddy meet with Kim Jong-un, mm -hmm. right? Now, that, so you can, uh, to me, this is a repeat, right? Goes to NATO where he'll piss off all of our allies right. uh, and, and then go on to um, uh, Helsinki. Helsinki with a buddy-buddy meeting with Vladimir Putin. Yeah, he's actually tweeting about this this morning. Not sure if you've seen them. Uh, no. <laughs> okay, so um, one hour ago, he said, well, two hours ago, he said, 
Getting ready to leave for Europe, first meeting NATO. The U.S. is spending many times more than any other country in order to protect them. Not many times more. More, but not many times more. <laughs> not fair to the U.S. taxpayer. On top of that, we lose $151 billion on trade with the European Union. Charge us big tariffs and barriers. And then one hour ago, he says, NATO countries must pay more, in all caps. The United States must pay less. Very unfair. <laughs> I just saw also he retweeted something that says the British people are looking forward to your much anticipated visit to our country this week. Um, that's not what I've read or not <laughs> what I've heard that the British there is massive protest and, and he's hoping to. Yeah. Uh, and they're, they're keeping him out of London for the right. most part because they don't want him he wants to avoid to, them to avoid. Yeah, well, that's they part don't. of the reason that the last time when the first visit was uh, planned, they thought that's why the president kind of pulled out of that because he didn't want to run into the massive protests that there were going to be. And then the baby Donald Trump, Trump blimp is yeah. going to be floating over top. Hey, ladies, great to see you. Thanks great for coming in. Thanks so Axios much. again. Axios.com. Quick. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, friends, don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of the Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Show or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show and on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support. the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Kavanaugh is the name. Brett Kavanaugh, member of the D.C. Court of Appeals, now uh, President Trump's nominee for the Supreme Court to take the seat vacated by Justice Anthony Kennedy. Hello, everybody. What do you say? On a Tuesday, July 10, great to see you today. Thank you for joining us. As always, coming to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, and our studio right here on Capitol, uh, capitol Hill with all the news of the day basically centered on one big story. The president uh, took a whole week in uh, uh, typical Donald Trump or P.T. Barnum style uh, to make this as exciting as he could leading up to the big announcement last night. But it looks like the man he went with is the man that he started out with as his first choice, uh, Brett Kavanaugh, former former clerk to Justice Anthony Kennedy, uh, and a front runner from the uh, from the very beginning. Uh, to talk us through that and all the other news of the day, uh, our good friend Igor Bobish from Huffington Post, Huff Post, they now call it, uh, joins <laughs> us uh, in studio. Igor, it's always good to see you. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for coming in. Appreciate it. Uh, and it's a, a busy news day, and the president taking off for all kinds of trouble in uh, in Europe. God knows what could happen over That's there. That's right. right? Uh, it's the big Putin summit. Yes, the big Putin <laughs> summit in the wake of the big uh, Kim Jong-un summit. That's right. right. Yeah, That's right. So. He's going to make peace with Europe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, make peace with Vladimir Putin before he invades the Balkans or, or the, the Baltics, probably. Right. Or maybe the Balkans, too. Who knows? 
Uh, anyhow, we'll jump into it. Peter Ogburn has the uh, has the week off, um, so uh, Ray Rogers is here. Good morning, friends. Him. Hello, Ray. Hello, hello. How are you? Uh, can I get one story in before you do? I know oh, you yeah. got some comments there, but I, d I do want a little shout out to um, Starbucks. Yes, Starbucks leading the charge. Starbucks announcing yesterday they are going to eliminate plastic straws uh -huh. from all their stores, all their outlets. By the year 2020, I think Chicago, some cities have already done Seattle this. already did it. Seattle, mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, we had a great conversation um, with Colin O'Mara, the president of the Wildlife Federation, mm -hmm. um, where he said that plastic straws are one of the largest sources of single-use plastics polluting our oceans and killing marine life. So this is a huge step forward. As we all know, Starbucks, there are like five on every block. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I indeed. Uh, what what I wonder is why does it take so long? Uh, maybe or I, I I just realized maybe because the alternatives are not immediately available. Yes. Like yeah. people don't make an, enough paper straws, or they can't right. gear up to make paper straws in time, or something. So mm -hmm. like that. what's the alternative? Is it like a big? Sippy cup or something? Or? Paper straws. Paper straws. <laughs> paper straws. And okay. also in Seattle, um, a lot of, I was just there, and a lot of independent coffee shops already had the alternatives. It actually feels like plastic, but I think it's made out of plant matter, so it's biodegradable. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's a huge step forward. It's great. Or my alternative? Yeah. No straw. Yeah, no straw. Just don't use a straw. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, what if you're driving or something like that? You can pick up a cup. <laughs> <laughs> I do it all the time. All right. No. All right. Progress. Uh, I mean, Igor does not sound convinced of this. <laughs> all okay. right. All right. Back to uh, back to uh, comments on some things we've been talking yes. about so far. Lots yes. of people weighing in on Twitter um, about the SCOTUS nomination. We have John Boy saying an illegitimate president under investigation has no business conducting business for the law-abiding citizens of America. Matt simply says I'm not sure Brett Kavanaugh would agree with that I'm not sure uh, Matt simply says womp womp which might be an accurate description of how everyone is feeling this morning and then of course our friend D. Ray Luther saying this appointment is a puppet for FUBAR 45 FUBAR meaning effed up beyond all, recogn all recognition of course and then she adds <laughs> Putin is happy again we all know what FUBAR <laughs> Sorry. really I feel like that's a dated one. Uh, it is no. Yeah. It is a it, it is a dated military term that you don't hear that much anymore. But uh, it it it's okay. Uh, I had to look it up, Bill. It's not like an LOL. Did, I'm, really? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, oh okay. does, <laughs> for does, all our young listeners out does there. Does Bill know what laugh out loud means or uh, LOL means? Of course, I don't know, I know do what you? LOL means. Yeah. Uh, Download our podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. Donald Trump makes it official. Brett Kavanaugh, his nominee for the Supreme Court of the United States. Hello, everybody. What do you say? Happy Tuesday, Tuesday, July 10. Great to see you today. Thank you for joining us. The Bill Press Show booming out to you coast to coast from our studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., Great to see you today, and uh, good to be with you online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Don't forget to check out our podcast and sign up for the podcast, which comes up right after the show and uh, the entire show or uh, good clips from the show up uh, all day long and special podcasts uh, 
um, put up on the weekends as well. But uh, you got to sign up and be part of the team, and then all of those special podcasts will come to you. Otherwise, you can find it at BillPressShow.com or wherever you go for your podcast. We're joining you on uh, the great WCPT out in the, in the Chicago area, uh, the big progressive voice of Chicago, and, of course, nationwide on Free Speech TV as well. Igor Bobish is a senior reporter for HuffPost here in studio with us for the hour as a friend of Bill. Igor, it's nice to see you. Thanks, Bill. And we have some breaking news right at the top of the uh, hour here. And now it is over, the big rescue effort in Thailand. Miracle of miracles. All 12 boys and their coach are now out safely uh, receiving medical attention. Wow. Uh, and what a tremendous operation. Amazing. Right? I mean, yeah. I, but I'll tell you this. I, I don't know how that coach has got to be feeling <laughs> getting those kids in that cave. Apparently Zen. Really? He spent the three weeks meditating with the boys. I'm just kidding. I'm sure he's feeling more than just that, but. Uh, yeah. He's lucky they didn't leave him in the cave. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But, you know, all the talk, and it, was, it is true about how perilous, how dangerous this was, yep. getting them out, particularly they had to go through this murky water, underwater, wearing a mask, the kids who didn't even know how to swim, you know, and they were in a weakened condition because they'd been in there without food and right. drink for 10 days before they were if they were discovered, it's just amazing what they were able to do. What I want to know is, how did they decide which boy to take out first? Was there like a drawing of straws or something? They, <laughs> I think they took the youngest and the weakest, uh, okay. and, that, and they and that's they went how they how they worked up. But you Got know, it. and it, it I, I thought it was very it must have been a tough decision, but they did not inform the families which ones were out hmm. until all of them were out. Yeah, because you know rivalry among the right, families or right. no emotional. That would have made it maybe even tougher for wow. some families, you know. And uh, so, but it's just, and this crack British team of cave rescuers, right? Yeah. But think about what that says about, I didn't realize, that, that, that means a lot of people must get stuck in caves <laughs> every year that we don't hear about. Right, <laughs> yeah. Because this team goes all over the world. That's their mission, right? Is yeah, and even uh, Elon Musk was getting in on yes. the action online. Did you see that? Yes. He was pitching all sorts of ideas to get these guys out, and it was it was fascinating to watch all in real time. But I think everybody felt deep down, oh, this this could be bad, right? They could lose a couple right. of kids uh, uh, as part of the rescue operation, and and sadly, you know, one of the Thai uh, divers lost his life in just during the planning session. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what, we all needed some good news, and this was it. Yeah, incredible. Uh, the, the reunion with their families today is going to be, wow, yeah. Uh, and then, meanwhile, here in the United States, <laughs> right, we're dealing with such, something as mundane as a uh, <laughs> as a nominee to the Supreme Court. That's right. But this is a big deal, isn't it? It is a big deal. Uh, it's an opportunity for the president, for Republicans, to enact generational change. Um, this nominee, Brett Kavanaugh, he's 53 years old. Um, he has the, uh, the opportunity to be on the bench for the next 30 years. And if he is as conservative as he seems, and he seems very conservative, uh, he has a chance to tilt the court in a, a far-right direction. Uh, Peter Peter Baker, our good friend from the New York Times, has a great piece on the front page this morning. Uh, a three-decade dream for conservatives is within reach. So as you point out, this is something they've been working at for a long time. In fact, 
uh, in the East Room yesterday with the president was Ed Meese, who was attorney general under President Ronald Reagan, who at the Heritage Foundation has been leading this mm-hmm. sort of relentless campaign, right, focused on the judiciary, yes. the judiciary. This is how we take over the judiciary. So they've been, they, they've been, they've been at this, and now they're one vote away from having that conservative majority, which is Peter. You just said, and Peter Baker puts it, uh, could uh, install a reliable conservative majority on the nation's highest court that could shape the direction of the law till the uh, late 21st century. Yeah. Stakes are huge, and I, and I think that's why this coming Supreme Court fight is going to be so so crucial and so contentious. And uh, you already see both sides gearing up for what's going to be a very, very um, sharp debate over his record, his qualifications, his, his past rulings. Of course, he was on the D.C. Circuit Court right? Um, where you've gotten some sense of his, his ideology, his thinking um, on – regulatory issues that's his big thing that's because the dc circuit court handles those matters typically yeah you know uh fights between agencies fights between the white house and different agencies um what you don't get a sense a lot about his record and his thinking is other issues relating to first amendment rights uh fourth amendment you know uh, equal equal protection under the law a lot of those things that democrats can be probing during the confirmation hearings trying to get a sense of where he is on, on issues like abortion. Um, that's where he's a mystery, and that's where the biggest fights are going to be. Right. But he is a judge that comes with a, as um, you say, because he's on this court, which is they're all, they all are equally powerful courts, but this one has a special weight, the D.C. court, because of the kind of cases that, it, that Correct. come to it. Um, and as the president pointed out last night, in fact, we have that that clip, Ray, where, where when the president announced him, he he mentioned that um, this he has a record. In fact, here he is. For the last 12 years, he has served as a judge on the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals with great distinction, authoring over 300 opinions, which have been widely admired for their skill, insight, and rigorous adherence to the law. Okay, over 300 opinions. That's a lot of fodder, right, for, that's a, that's for both paper. sides. Uh, yeah. That's a lot of paper. And, um, you know, everybody's going to be pouring over every word of every page of those opinions. Oh, I, it, the, I think the groundwork has already started weeks ago. Uh, so both both sides are going so, to be gearing up. So th- it surprised me a little bit, a bit that Donald Trump, the outsider and the one who ran against the Re- Republican establishment, would— of the four, pick the one who is the product yeah. of the Washington establishment, who is the Washington political establishment in Brett Kavanaugh. It's one political line he won't touch is crossing the conservative movement, establishment conservative movement in D.C. Interesting. Mm, yeah. Uh, and, and, and almost and embracing it here because I mean, Kavanaugh was their candidate. Right. right? And others— Hugh Hewitt and some others were saying, no, we need somebody from outside the Beltway, right? That's right. Somebody yeah. who's, who's not part of that D.C. elitist crowd. And and also the fact that he worked for George W. Bush, for some conservatives, was um, not a plus at right. all. And also uh, President Trump hates <laughs> George right. W. Bush. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's another thing that's surprising about it. But uh, it comes down to, as superficial as it is, 
is this president's affinity for somebody who looks like out of central casting, and that's what Brett Kavanaugh is. He's a he's got this pedigree, the Yale Law. Um, he he went to Georgetown prep prep school. You very well know, mm-hmm. very <laughs> well to do school that Neil yeah. Gorsuch also went to. Um, so he he comes from this kind of cloth and. Donald Trump sees something in that, and he he likes it. He likes that these guys are. He was bragging yesterday during the the press conference that you know he's he's this big Yale guy. He he loves these types of of, of people um, when he's not denigrating them, of course, if they're you know Democrats or whatnot. So um, you have to ask the question too. So Justice Kennedy, he uh, steps down. He meets with Donald Trump. He's already got one of his clerks, Neil Gorsuch, former clerks, on the court. Mm-hmm. And we're, it's reported this morning, I think the Post or the Times, whatever, that that the president and Justice Kennedy spent a lot of time talking about who ought to take his place. And Kennedy is pushing another one of his clerks, right. Brett Kavanaugh. It so, is. So uh, was the fix in? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, if their reporting is right, it, it certainly seems like it. Uh, and and the 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 charade, I guess, in the last couple of weeks about the president trying to decide between yeah, yeah, a few other right. ones was not so true. It appears. What are the where where what are the areas you think of vulnerability or the issues where Democrats are going to be able to make the the most of or where Kavanaugh may be the most vulnerable? Well, I I think he's got to appeal to two constituencies, and that's. Republican moderates, Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski, and Senate Democrats, Joe Manchin, uh, Donnelly. Particularly the red state Democrats. Right, yeah. uh, vulnerable red state Democrats. Um, what was interesting yesterday, Joe Manchin tweeted out his response, his statement to the, to the nomination. He specifically cited pre-existing conditions, health care in his state of West Virginia, something like 800,000 people there are on Obamacare. And it was it was interesting that he specifically cited that because that's going to be a big part of their calculation um, that there is going to be a court case this next Supreme Court is going to have to look at in the future challenging pre-existing conditions, coverage for pre-existing conditions under Obamacare. And if it appears that Brett Kavanaugh is hostile to that law, the Obamacare, um, it's going to give red state Democrats an out, potentially. Um, mm-hmm. And then on the Republican moderate side, you've got Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski, two pro-abortion Republicans, who um, are also looking to demonstrate that they have an independent streak and that they're willing to protect abortion rights. So uh, Lisa, Susan, Susan Collins has said that she's looking for someone who has not demonstrated an open hostility to Roe v. Wade. So I think if if Kavanaugh can toe that line and say oh, I'm going to respect precedent and not look to overturn Roe v. Wade, she's probably going to vote for him. She did support Neil Gorsuch as well, so it would not be surprising for her. Uh, yeah, I, I if I were um, counting votes, uh, Susan Collins is not one. No matter what she says, <laughs> right? I would count because of her vote for Neil Gorsuch. I mean, yeah. if there's anybody who would vote. Uh, who's and already proven that he'll vote to overturn any precedent that comes his way. It's Neil Gorsuch, That's and right. she voted for him and put faith in him, even though he took this line where it never— and there, there's no way Kavanaugh at his hearing is going to take a an absolute stand on Roe v. Wade <laughs> one <laughs> no. way or the other, right? No, nobody since the Bork, Robert Bork, Bork. has done that. <laughs> and there, there's a reason why you called somebody Borked. <laughs> 
because uh, he, you know, he went there and he said he spelled out his thoughts and, you know, it ruined his nomination. But isn't it clear that, let's just be honest, he, Kavanaugh, would not be on that list of the, from the Federalist Society if he had not privately, at least, told people, don't worry, I'm, I, 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 you, you can count on me to vote to overturn Roe v. Wade. That's right. I mean, the, the Federal Society— yeah, We know that, right, from that list. I mean— It's the people that they pick and that they cultivate and that they groom. This this isn't a, you know, year-long process. This is for decades. They contact these guys when they're up and coming and, you know, stay in touch with them, keep in contact, you know, help them out as they're advancing in their careers and make sure that they're the right type of people, that if one day they come to be called upon, they can do the job. So now, if he were confirmed— that means that we go into the rest of the 21st century with, for at least who knows how long he'd be there, for 20 years or so, with John Roberts as the swing vote. <laughs> yeah, who'd have thought? <laughs> John Roberts. This shows, I mean, that, that how, how much farther to the right the court is or would be yeah. than the country. Right. And then, you know, John Roberts did cast that vote to save Obamacare, um, but I'm, I'm not sure what he would do in the future when a different case arose, mm-hmm. so specifically the one that's that could be considered next year on pre-existing conditions. Igor Bobich here with us from HuffPost, HuffPost.com. So um, we'll come back to the Supreme Court. Nikki Schwab will be joining us from uh, the New York Post, who was there last night uh, at the White House uh, when we turned the half hour here. Uh, something else I wanted to ask you about, which is um, not getting as much attention as I thought it might. Uh, are we in a trade war? Um, we are in the potential to be in a trade war. <laughs> well, <laughs> what more do we need to do to get in a trade war? Well, war? I think that uh, the president's moves against China and against Europe are concerning and are affecting, right now, interestingly, his base voters, a lot of the farmers and steel workers in Ohio and Iowa and Minnesota, but as as far as broadly, at least at the moment, they're not touching every corner of the economy. The economy is doing still pretty well. But if he keeps going down this line and if Republicans don't block him, there's certainly a chance for the, the economy to nose that because of these, you know, tariffs that he's put on. Right. So we have put on we've put on tariffs. We put, the, what, 34 billion tariffs on China. They responded with I don't know how many in terms of dollars on Similar, similar amount. Similar amount. I thought about. I saw one story about thirteen hundred different products or yeah. something. Um, and they're targeting these products to niche states yeah. where red states with Donald Trump and Kerry, with right. a lot of Trump voters, right? Kentucky bourbon of one, mm-hmm. Mitch McConnell of Kentucky, right? Uh, and then Donald Trump has said we're going to retaliate with um, 200 billion of tariffs. I don't think we've done that yet. We've not done it yet, but, but I would not be surprised if he goes forward with it. But that's right. And plus, the, you know, the tariffs against Mexico, against China, uh, Canada. Right. Um, and so what you're saying is, until the the economy nosedives, it's not really a trade war. It's yes, just I, I think until you have uh, every one of Trump's base voters screaming at him, you know, holding a rally in front of the White House, warning him that this is going to be bad. He's he's not going to change course. Right. Um, and 
how how what does this mean for consumers? I mean, this this ends up being higher prices for consumers. It's got to. If if it goes down the path that he's leading us, yeah, yeah, it will. Uh, as of right now, you know, certain products will increase price wise, but not so much as you know the the price you're paying at the tank, for example, on gas, which is going up, and that could be another concerning thing for his presidency is if. The gas keeps continues rising. Mm-hmm. Um, that has potential to, to impact, you know, the November elections. You know, I, I I read about that. The Democrats are counting on gas prices as a as a big issue for for November. Um, You're skeptical. I'm totally skeptical. Yeah. As big a Democrat as I am, just because gas prices the, we've seen we've seen this movie so many times. You know, they go up in the summer and everybody gets all worried and then. Right. Oh, they write all these stories about people are staying home or they're not traveling, whatever, and then, uh, and and then gas prices go down right. in the fall. I mean, they go up, go they go down, right? And refine be, because for whatever reason, um, I, I think the American people are used to that. Yeah, maybe you should tell the Democrats uh, to find knock a, it off. <laughs> find another, <laughs> find another issue, right? Well, <laughs> don't, I, don't count on. But the trade, I'm puzzled by the trade war because. Donald Trump calls himself a free trader still. Mm-hmm. I thought Republicans were the party of free trade, not they were not for tariffs. And suddenly this Donald Trump's going in this direction and the Republicans don't seem to know what to do about it. Yeah, they they seem hamstrung. He's obviously overwhelmingly popular with their base, base voters. So if they take any action to um against him, they're they're worried that they're going to lose but then I read the stories that you did, like these soybean farmers yeah. or these pig farmers or whatever, you know, who are they're really they're, uh, and some manufacturers would, in terms of getting parts, uh, they're really being hurt and they, they are. Are, and they, are. they have to lay off people. And if they, if there's a ripple effect and that continues, it could be bad news. It could be, it could be, and then you know it tells you something about Donald Trump, the populist who ran on, you know. Uh, the forgotten man and helping the forgotten man, and this is hurting the very people that he, that voted for him. Right, and there may be another aspect of it too, and another imp- which is the role of China vis-a-vis North Korea. Mm-hmm. Uh, that um, uh, I, I've seen several people opine, at any rate, that what China is telling North Korea, hey, don't make a deal with with Donald Trump on anything at all when it comes to nuclear weapons mm-hmm. because you can't trust this guy. Look what he's doing to us on right. these tariffs. And and there's no bigger supporter of North Korea than China That's and right. have been for, for decades. So North Korea is not going to go against China. Right. And that, that President Xi is probably telling Kim Jong-un, don't do anything. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when you also look at the Iran deal, the president ripped up the Iran deal. And that's another factor uh, in Kim Jong-un's head is how willing is the United States uh, to being to honor its the deals that it's made, um, especially when it comes to nuclear weapons? Right. Um, so that that so the impact could be beyond just the uh, uh, U.S. economy is bad enough, right? But then also there's foreign policy implications of this yeah. too. So with that, uh, the president goes uh, in front of um, NATO in just a few hours. Uh, he'll be there. What can we expect from this NATO meeting, given what happened at the G7 meeting? (laughs) 
Um, you mean those those wonderful photos that came out of the G7 meeting? Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Particularly the one, right, <laughs> where he's sitting there with his arm crossed <laughs> looking up at Angela Merkel and the rest of them, all of them standing around him basically saying, yeah. what are you doing here? Um, well, uh, it was... The, the president has a weird tendency to antagonize our allies and, and uh, compliment our adversaries. And I don't know why. You would have to ask him. But uh, as, as, as far as we've seen uh, to the run-up to this NATO summit, it's, it's going to be bad. <laughs> there's there's going to be some confront- heated confrontations. Uh, already forecast, right, when he, by his tweet this morning... Um, yep. Do you want me to read it again? Yeah. Okay. Right. So he's tweeting this morning already about NATO. He uh, had and the, a couple. And this tweet followed, I should say, letters just jumping in that mm-hmm. he sent last week ahead of this meeting to all of the uh, uh, the members of NATO saying, uh, you got to pay more money or else. And right. then he follows up with a tweet this morning on his way to Andrews Air Force Base. Mm-hmm. So three hours ago, Trump tweets, getting ready to leave for Europe. First meeting, NATO. The U.S. is spending many times more than any other country in order to protect them. Not fair to the U.S. taxpayer. On top of that, we lose $151 billion on trade with the European Union. Charge us big tariffs and barriers. Then two hours ago, he chimes in, NATO countries must pay more, all caps. The United States must pay less, all caps. Very unfair. I mean, that tweet is, the, the, the logical inconsistency in that tweet is just astounding because he's spent the last two years now on the campaign trail and in Washington pushing Democrats to raise defense spending. We just signed a two, two-year budget deal that increased defense spending by more than it, than it has been in, in years. Um, and he's been saying that Democrats are weak on military, that we need to raise our disp- defense spending. And now he's complaining that we're spending too much and that's not fair to the tax. The, <laughs> the mind just boggles. You know? Right. Because what he's referring to is this Wales agreement, right? It's from 2014, I think. Yeah. Just correct me if I'm wrong. That after uh, Russia invaded Crimea, that the, the, the NATO forces agreed that they would spend at least 2% of their GDP, GDP on defense. Spending. On their own defense spending. On their own defense. No, there's, no, there's no some kind of pot of money that they're no, supposed to No, on their in. own defense That's spending, right. right. And so we now are, I believe, at about the last numbers I saw, at 3.5. We are the top. We are number one. We're definitely number one. Yeah. He's He's the, got a point when he says that we spend more than right. any other NATO country. Right, he does, country. right. And there are, as I, uh, damn it, I don't have that right in front of me. But there are three, I remember from the list, there were three other countries, I think, that are above two. Right. And I think one of them is the UK, and I'm not sure which one. Yeah. Maybe France. But like Germany's not there yet. No. France is not there. I'm pretty sure France is not there. But, uh, and uh, so no matter what, how much money they're spending, 2%, they've got above the 2%. But in the last couple of years, these countries like Germany and others, are, have increased their spending, mm-hmm. right? So he doesn't give them any credit for that. Right. I mean, so in a sense, his call for them to spend more has already had some impact in that they they are spending more each year. Maybe they're not up to the 2% three. Yeah, and he's taking credit for that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But he's still saying ba- basically or else. It's just like, and you referenced earlier, the Iran nuclear deal, gone. The Paris Accords, gone. Um... NATO? I I think that would be far too crazy for him to do. 
uh, even, <laughs> even as, <laughs> can I, you I, I really don't. can you really say that anything? <laughs> How do we quantify crazy? <laughs> How would can you really say that right. anything would be too crazy for <laughs> Donald Trump? How, how could you say that, Igor? I, I think I don't <laughs> after know. After a year and a half, by bust into the White House and just you know take some kind of extraordinary action, but I, I don't know. I don't know. I think even I think that would be far too crazy. For that him. sounds like the deep state, Igor. <laughs> That does not exist. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mark it down. If, if we made a list of uh, the things that would be too crazy for Donald Trump to do, it would be a very short list. Now we have the first item on that list. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with Igor Bobby's here, we continue. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back. Uh, Nikki Schwab joins us from the New York Post to tell us uh, what it was like down at the White House last night for the announcement of uh, Donald Trump's pick. For the Supreme Court in Brett Kavanaugh. It's the Bill Press Show. Thursday, Tuesday, what am I saying? Tuesday, July 10. We'll be right back. On your radio, on TV, and online, this is the Bill Press Show. Tuesday, July 10, the Bill Press Show. Welcome and thanks for being part of it today. As we come to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, brought to you today by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, those good men and women of the Teamsters Union. Working under President Jim Hoffa, we all live better because of their good work, as you will find out if you go to their website at teamster.org. Igor Babish here in studio with us as a friend of Bill for the entire hour, uh, joined now by Nikki Schwab, our good friend, who uh, has moved on to... The New York Post. The New York Post. Covering the White House for the New York Post. Hi, Nikki. It's good to see you. It's good to see you as well. Bring you up to date on the big story of the day, in case you are just joining us. Now, all 12 boys, all 12 members of the soccer team and their coach have been rescued from that uh, cave in Thailand. Huge good news and incredible rescue effort uh, on the part of the Thai military and also the British crack British rescue team that went over there. I got to tell you, I'm never going cave diving. It's just oh, never, never going to happen. After this, never. Well, if you do, you should learn to meditate first because apparently <laughs> we're learning this morning that this soccer coach was also a meditation coach and he taught these boys the Buddhist meditation. Wow. And how said, not to panic. How not to, yeah. How yeah. Not to panic, how to remain calm and the whole thing. Which, uh, But what an incredible rescue. It just uh, uh, couldn't be better. Um, so, and let's get back to uh, here. You were at the White House, Nikki, last night. I in was. The East room for the big announcement. I was shoved in there like a little sardine, but it was it was interesting to so watch. So, what kind of people were in the crowd? Who was there? So, definitely, you know, some big. Obviously, White House uh, staffers like Kellyanne Conway. She came over and chatted with reporters for a long time. Mark Short, who's their you know their liaison to Capitol Hill, he yeah. came over and talked to us for a bit because obviously this is a big part of his job is you know mm -hmm. pushing this uh, this Senate confirmation. But then you also saw people like uh, uh, Newt and Callista Gingrich were there, oh, and cool. uh, and Rudy Giuliani, who should not be surprising that he was there. But I saw him in the crowd. Mm -hmm. It was a who's who crowd. Yeah, you know? and then like I saw like Matt Schlapp, who makes sense because he's like yeah. the head of the American Conservative uh, unit, and, and his wife unit. works at the White his House. His wife works at the White yeah. House. Obviously, he's the guy, sort of the guy behind CPAC. So was Bob Mueller there? I did not see Bob Mueller. <laughs> no, but I actually did hear whispers that Rod Rosenstein was there, but I did not see him myself, so I wouldn't wouldn't want to necessarily. Confirm and I read that. this morning that Ed Meese was there, who yep. has been very much from the Heritage Foundation. 
the uh, author of this list of 25, yeah. one of the authors. And of he it, got a yeah. shout out from the president. So oh, he did. He did. Surprise! The president even knows who he is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he's like, oh, he's a Reagan guy. Great, you know. Uh, did you know before Kavanaugh walked in that he was a guy? I mean, how how tightly did they keep the secret? They actually did a pretty good job with it. In that, you know, I think AP literally came out with the like news alert as like the doors were like opening for like really? Trump and then Kavanaugh. And the funniest thing is, you know, Trump comes out first. It's very much like you know. For Trump, everything's a show, right? Oh, totally. So, this is so, T.T. Barnum at work. Yeah, yeah. So he comes out first, and everyone's like, you know, where's where's the guy? <laughs> and then, then he has to have the, sort of the rollout, and it's Brett Kavanaugh. And then he, you know, comes out with his, like, his family, his wife, his daughters, you know, so. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, Ray, do we have that uh, present making the announcement there, the very first uh, the clip? Because he did he did play it. And we were talking with Igor, and I were talking about this a little bit earlier. For like 10 days, he went through the motions of, oh, I'm not sure which way we're going to go. we got to talk to all these different people. It looks like he had made up his mind yeah. on Kavanaugh from day one, actually. But here he is when making the announcement. It is my honor and privilege to announce that I will nominate Judge Brett Kavanaugh to the United States Supreme Court. Yeah, so it was well choreographed. Is what Absolutely. And also, like, I mean... Yeah. I think the journalists this time around were really worried to get it wrong because with Trump, you kind of don't want to <laughs> sort of be like, oh, it's going to be Haldeman, and then the next minute it's, you know, somebody else. So I think we were all sort of like waiting with bated breath because, you know, he's changed his mind on things. And you even heard after he, you know, he selected Neil Gorsuch that he was having, you know, he was thinking that maybe he didn't pick the right guy. So no, I think he picked the right guy. Sadly. Also, with Mike Pence, he did the same thing. Yeah, he kind of you know went back and forth on choosing him as his vice president. Yeah, so you kind of at this point sort of want to wait for him to actually you know say it and like drag the guy out onto stage. Uh, <laughs> and then um, we don't have any clips of uh, Kavanaugh himself. He spoke. What did he have to say? He spoke. He you know I think one of the most interesting things that he said was he talked about Elena Kagan, and she had actually hired him to be a Harvard law professor. And so they have this, you know, this connection. And, you know, he obviously is trying to make himself palatable to Democrats. Uh, we'll see if any Democrats will actually vote for his nomination. But he talked about Elena Kagan. He talked about his, you know, strong Catholicism, his volunteerism. He, you know. Another Catholic? Oh, yes. Man. This, is, this is a Georgetown yeah. Day guy. Yeah. He went to high school with uh, Gorsuch. And he's, you know, sort of long steeped in sort of the D.C. political world. Yeah, he talked yeah. about the fact that he took his wife out on, on their first date on September 10th, 2001. They're both, you know, Bush staffers. They were running out of the White House when they heard, you know, apparently whenever 93 they thought was going to the White House, they were running yeah. out the door. The next day. The next yeah. day. Right. Yeah, so he, he sort of, you know, brought up that anecdote. He talked about his two daughters, how one's a reader, one's a talker. Um, and talked about how he, you know, coaches their basketball team and is called Coach K. So he made himself seem to be this really sort of, you know, family man, heartwarming, great guy, volunteer. This is a John Roberts approach. Remember that? Yeah. The, the Roberts. Yeah, golden boy. Yeah. 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 Right. Warm and fuzzy. Right. Warm and fuzzy and, uh, you With know. the kids, you know. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and, and it's smart because it makes him harder to, to vote against. But then if you look at his record, you, you know, I assume Democrats and liberals are going to be very concerned. I I think from the of the four, from and and again, <laughs> we haven't really poured over all their previous decisions and opinions and everything. But of the four, 
uh, I think he'll he'll be the hardest to stop for Democrats to stop. Would you agree with that? I think I think that's right. Um, unless, barring some kind of unforeseen circumstance, something that comes out of his record, or his mis, uh, misstep, potential misstep in the the hearing, which I really doubt from this guy because he seems very prepared. Um, it's going to be very hard for them to vote against it. The only thing that I, as I mentioned previously was the the Obamacare case that's why making its way yeah, to the courts right. that you know he might have to rule on. Um, if Democrats latch on to something about that case and you know find some kind of tell that about how he's going to rule on that case, he's likely to go through. Well, to me, that one thing that um, that that struck out in terms of his opinions that he's made is he is very str- a very strong supporter of executive authority and has actually written that the president should not be distracted by anything like a lawsuit <laughs> or an investigation. Now, that's and you, and you mu- wonder why he got the job? <laughs> <laughs> no, precisely. That is music to Donald Trump's ears. That's why Rudy Giuliani was there last night. But well, what was so funny, anyway. too, is that— But, I mean, that's, that's an argument that Bill Clinton made. That's an argument that Donald Trump is making and Rudy Giuliani making it for him, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I was sort of laughed because, like, he was involved in the whole Can the Star Report with Monica Lewinsky— and then he's come to that that conclusion. Yeah, yeah. Which is sort of interesting to me because I would think that you would actually say, you know, that whole mess. You you probably should have been, you know, indicted or something. But no. But, but that that uh, argument uh, uh, that um, if he were summoned, if he were indicted, if he were whatever, you know, they're going to challenge. That would be he would be that would be challenged and could end up at the Supreme Supreme Court. Um and. Donald Trump would want somebody there who's going to make that argument, unless he recuses himself. I I don't think he's going to recuse himself. That seems like a very momentous Bush v. Gore type of case that he would want to sit mm-hmm. on. Yeah, uh, and it's interesting that both. Um, um, so Gorsuch wasn't there last night, I guess, right? No, no, I don't think any of that. That, that would have been remarked, I guess, if he had been there. Yeah. But, so, but a Gors- big chunk of the Republican Senate. But not the swing voters. Gorsuch and um, Kavanaugh, both Kennedy clerks. Yep. There's a there, there, there's a step to the Supreme Court, right? A lot of people are saying that you know Kennedy uh, stepping down finally makes this the John Roberts court. This is what he's been waiting for. He's the chief justice. Chief justice typically, the chief wants to you know uh, instill his own vision in a court, yeah, and right. now you've got two Kennedy guys sitting on the court with you, and it sort of takes away from that, mm-hmm. from Roberts. So Roberts does become the swing vote. He does. He does. A very right-leaning swing yeah, vote. Yeah, <laughs> Indeed. Uh, who's leading the, is it Mark Short who's leading the, the effort now? The, now the, everything changes to prepping Kavanaugh for the hearings, so for I, the confirmation hearings? It's, it's still like a bit of Don McGahn as well. White mm-hmm. House counsel, and that's one of the reasons why both he and Short have decided to stay in their White House positions for a couple of more months. There's, there had been rumors that they both were, you know, wanting to get out the door, and then this retirement happened with Kennedy, and they were like, "Oh, guess we should probably uh, stay for this kind of stuff." But they selected um, Senator John Kyle, the former Arizona Republican, mm-hmm. as the Sherpa, and you know, so there's, there's there tends to be a, an ex-senator that right. will bring 
the uh, the nominee around to the various Senate offices because that person obviously knows the Senate really well, knows the the members of the Senate, and so that was uh, one of the big things that was sort of announced yesterday afternoon before the nominee was actually announced. And Kyle actually said he didn't even know who who he was going to be sherpaing around. He just agreed to do the job. Hmm. And, and Kyle is contractually obligated as a ser- Sherpa to, to wear a large pack on his back and just, <laughs> as he's climbing, you know. All I the love stairs that. in the heart building. Yeah, right. he should. <laughs> okay, now, um, uh, news to me, believe it or not, but um, there was other news in town last night. Another big visitor to town last night. There was, and I, you know, and I often— And you were there, no? You no, were at the I was, White House. I was unfortunately at, at the White House. Uh, I was told by my editors that they probably preferred the SCOTUS story over the fact that Stormy Daniels was performing several blocks away at a D.C. strip club called The Cloak Room. Uh, is this part of her Make America Horny Again tour? No, that's what. Oh, is that what it's called? It is. Oh, no, wow. it is, no you know, I didn't make that up. <laughs> I thought that was your. <laughs> no. No. Uh, no, that's what she calls it. Well, that's what her, her people call it, but she oh. actually doesn't really care much for the name because she oh, doesn't really? like the tie in necessarily with Trump. Oh. So oh, she said yeah. on 60 Minutes. Uh, okay, right. So what do we know about Stormy's big. Uh, Big appearance here last night. Well, what do your sources tell you? So so far, I and actually I haven't. Heard. So if you were at the White House last night, you must have been at the uh, cloakroom, right? Is that what it's called? No comment. Well, what's funny is that whenever <laughs> no, whenever no. Trump, you know, selected this date to to make his announcement, I was like, well, Stormy's already booked that night. Like, what? Why are you? Why are you trying to like, you know take away? <laughs> How come we didn't know about that? Take you away think her news made cycle. More news that she were coming in D.C. Right. Well, you know, it was actually, it was supposed to happen in June, and then it got pushed a couple of weeks. But we did know for a couple of weeks that she was going to come these two dates in July. But, you know, they, they were sort of like, we don't want press there, so if press wants to go, you have to buy a ticket for like 50 or 100 bucks. Man, can you imagine expensing that? You know? <laughs> Trust me, I asked. <laughs> Wow. They're like, go to the White House. <laughs> but you know what's what's so interesting about where she's uh, – so this this is a club that had been in D.C. for quite a long time. And then in uh, 2015, I think they were doing construction next door. And so the club, because it's an old brick building, started to literally, like, crumble and fall in on itself. Mm. And so there are these great news reports of strippers, like, climbing out windows trying to escape from it. So <laughs> – that was the last time this place made a lot of news. Where is this place? I mean, honestly, I've never heard of it before. Uh, so I'm sorry, Igor. I know you don't believe that. It's on, it's on 5th and K Northwest, uh, around there. So pretty close to the D.C. Convention Center, a couple blocks north of Chinatown, in an area that's sort of rapidly uh, gentrified in the last couple of years. So you get your like artisanal coffee and your avocado toast, and now you can go see a stripper as well. Oh, yeah. Not only a stripper, but you can go, go see, see Stormy. And she's playing again tonight, so, you know, maybe maybe I'll get to, to go see her. I don't know. No, I just want to point out the reaction on Bill's face for our audio <laughs> listeners was mouth agape. <laughs> that she's playing again tonight. No, I was just thinking, Igor, what are you doing tonight? Maybe we should go. Field trip. <laughs> Actually, there's an a- expensable thing, Bill. For the BP show? I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, it's just amazing to me that she's, with all this publicity and and while she's suing the president of the United States and everything, that she's still out there performing uh, as a stripper. Girls got to make a buck, you know? Yeah. I wonder what Michael Avenatti thinks about this, I guess. 
now he's he's busy with his pre- presidential ambitions. <laughs> yeah, he's right. Yeah, running for running for president. I do have to mention there's a, a little connection here. Stormy Daniels also appeared in um, at, at some strip club in Bend, Oregon, where I've been to Bend several. We've been to Bend several times because one of our sons and his family live in Bend, Oregon. When she came to Bend, Oregon. Uh, so I asked Mark, our son, if he was going to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a uh, very fatherly of, question. He's a, yeah. <laughs> he's a uh, he's a head of a, a medical clinic there. He's a nurse practitioner and he's a medical director for this big clinic there. And he was afraid. He said he was afraid to go because he would see so many of his clients there. His, <laughs> his patients, rather. Yeah. Uh. Patients there. So wise not to. Well, yeah. do you remember she was tapped? I just can't believe though that. In this town, there has there was hasn't been more. I haven't read anything about Stormy Daniels coming to Washington. Have you? No, no. I I started to on, the, on the, the way here. I'm on glad the Uber you, here. Yeah, I mean, Nikki, if it weren't for you, we wouldn't even know about this. Well, I'm glad I can bring that to the table. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So now, Igor and I were just talking about the president uh, going off on this. This is a pretty momentous week coming up. Oh yeah. Uh, for him, right? Uh, we go into uh, first stop Brussels for the NATO summit, then London uh, and surrounding London for some very important meetings, including tea with the Queen. With the Queen. Yes. Um, and uh, on to Scotland. Uh, for golf. For golf. And then. At, at his golf club. At his golf yeah. club. The Turnberry. Yes. Uh, and then up to uh, Helsinki for meeting with his buddy, Vladimir Putin. Um, it used to be with the Daily Mail. Uh, the president this, uh, tweeted this morning, he, he retweeted something about how welcome he will be in when he gets to London, how the people of England are so excited that he's coming. That's not the impression that I had. No, and that was, that's never been the impression. In fact, that you know, my understanding that it, it's taken him so long to get to England because there was fear of the protest. And you notice that his schedule has him largely outside the main city center in London. Yeah, no, they're, they're they, keeping him away they from want, the protest. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm just looking for that uh, re- retweet. Yeah, the British people are looking forward to your much-anticipated visit to our country this week, and we extend a warm welcome. Hmm. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if the uh, inflatable Trump baby uh, ends up following him around. I love the inflatable Trump baby <laughs> with the diaper. It's so funny. I wonder what that thing costs. I'd love to get one for Washington, D.C. <laughs> we, we were talking about Peter and Rowan, Ray and I were talking about maybe crowd, doing crowdfunding to buy this blimp. Probably <laughs> some outrageous sum of money. I bet it's not The Ron Paul people had a blimp for him back in the day, so... Remember really? this? No. Yeah, the 08 uh, presidential cycle. All the libertarians put their money together and got Ron Paul a literal blimp. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's yeah, doing something. <laughs> Retweeting so, <laughs> memes that he shouldn't be. <laughs> right. <laughs> so what is the uh, what what is what is the prospect for for NATO? Um, uh, in in the last half hour, uh, Igor. Has, went so far as to say that blowing up NATO would be even too crazy for Donald Trump to do. But he certainly doesn't show any love for NATO. No. Hasn't. He always, I mean, he angrily tweets about them, says they need to put more money in. And then was it not NATO where he, like, basically, like, pummeled the guy from, like, Montenegro and, like, got into the front <laughs> of the 
in front of the photo and like puffed his chest. And then the Montenegro guy said he loved it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure he. I'm sure he loved it. Yeah. <laughs> he also said that NATO's as bad as NAFTA last week. Mm. Not right. good. No. Um, well, what was interesting this morning is you know he couldn't he couldn't resist the microphones as he was leaving the White House, and so he was sort of chatting about these meetings, and so he he basically said that he thought that the Putin meeting would be the easiest one, which is kind of. I would not think that that would be the case because you're amongst, you know, your allies in the first meeting and then obviously you have your special relationship with the Brits in your second meeting. Well, I was asking a couple of reporters yesterday what's the uh, uh, talking what what's the agenda for the meeting with Putin and nobody seems to know. I mean, it's sort of like the I mean, Kim Jong Un we know more about what the potential agenda would be, but yeah. there didn't seem to be a lot of preparation that went into that summit. And it, it seems like he's going to go in there alone with Vladimir Putin, um, without translators, translators, it's going to be the two of them alone in a room. So, uh, the Secretary of State, maybe? I, I don't believe so. I think he's been pushing to have a meeting one on one with with Putin. Um, and I'm curious whether he's going to bring up, uh, you know, <laughs> the hacking of the election <laughs> or not. Seeing as how he's been so certain that you know it might have been a 400 pound hacker in somebody's basement or something like that. No, I mean, um, the, the thing, what we would like him to talk about, right, certainly would include um, meddling in the 2016 presidential election, maybe meddling in the 2018 in midterm elections, yeah. which we know they're doing. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know whether we've forgotten about Crimea or not, um, but the, that would be on the list. Um, and if you're just coming Russian from troops in eastern Ukraine would still be on the list. You know, po poisoning uh, spies in, in England. If you're coming from England and having that meeting with Theresa May, would you not sort of, you know, pass that word along too, you would think? But probably not. That would be on the list. Yeah. Uh, Russian troops in Syria and in support of Bashar al-Assad, that would be on the list. Uh, maybe what are your intentions when it comes to the Baltics? Because there's there more and more there's more and more of a Russian presence there, and uh, and more and more concern in Estonia and and the, and the others. Um, I don't know that we don't know that any of that's going to come up. I think you're going to talk about golf. Um, <laughs> they're they're going to talk about you know their wives. You know, chit chat. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, probably as much come out of that summit with Putin as as has come out of the summit with Kim Jong Un, which is basically I would nothing. think even less actually. Hmm. All right. Um, there are, I think it was NBC that put out, and when you were at the Daily Mail, I don't know whether you got into this, but uh, when you go to meet with a queen, there's a certain protocol, right? Rules for meeting with a queen. Yes. Can, can we expect Donald Trump to break every one of them? How's our <laughs> poll doing? Oh, that already ended. It was, you know, 94% said that he will break every rule. Yeah, <laughs> that was our poll yesterday. 6% that said that he would somehow behave. behave. I'm not sure what they're thinking, but. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, 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 think, I think he'll, like, accidentally say something, like, buffoonish in front of her or some, something, you know. Much like whenever he uh, met with Macron's Bridget Macron, he you know sort of complimented her like her like oh, yeah. her body or something. <laughs> you know, you're like, oh no, don't do that to the queen. Um, 
though he also has sort of a, my understanding is he's kind of a an anglophile so like he you know is interested in the british monarchy so perhaps he will sort of know what he's supposed to do of course he's interested in any monarchy <laughs> this is fair 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 <laughs> oh my gosh fair do you, do you think he's gonna want to meet the the new duchess is that oh, Megan? Yes. Her, our fellow the American. Of Sussex. A fellow American. Uh, I, I feel like she probably, being sort of a liberal <laughs> activist, would probably not want to meet him. But That's going to be interesting. Yeah. Uh, I want to go back to the uh, number one news story of the day here in the uh, USA. What are the chances that um, you think uh, Democrats will be able to block um, the nomination of Brett Kavanaugh? Igor? I would put it at 5%. Really? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm that down on it. <laughs> Whoa. Um, because they will not be able to get a Republican to switch sides or because Democrats will not hold tight? I think both. I think I think it's very hard to see right now. Granted, this is before the hearing, before you know all the scrutiny, how he does not get Lisa Murkowski, Susan Collins— and at least three Senate Democrats. That's my bet. God, I hope you're wrong, Nikki. I I I'm with him <laughs> for the most part I, because I mean it's interesting to see. And I I sort of uh, you know made this sort of list of who said no thus far, and the only sort of like endangered Democrat who came out early on, even before the announcement, to say you know I'm not going to vote for this guy or gal was Bob Casey in Pennsylvania. And I think he saw the Connor Lamb race as a good sign yeah. that, like, he'll be okay in PA. But every other endangered Democrat is has been very much like, we're we're not going to say no yet. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to give up yet. Even even Jared Brown fight. has been like, you know, a maybe, which is. Thanks, Nikki. Thanks for coming in, Igor. This great to see you. Have a great day, folks. Show. See you tomorrow.